Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here for Move the Sticks. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm great, man. I I am hanging in there. Everything is good. I'm excited to talk a little ball with you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. I'm excited to have our our good buddy uh, join the show today. And this is a conversation I think everybody's going to really enjoy. It kind of piggybacks what we were talking about the other day about uh, the possibilities of spring football and everything that's going on with, with COVID-19 and how these colleges are adjusting where things stand. There's no better person to talk to than our good friend, Bruce Feldman. So uh, today's episode is going to be that conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's our chat uh, with Bruce. Well, Buck, excited to have our good friend, Bruce Feldman from Fox, joining the show today. Uh, Bruce, we've been, I feel like we've had a lot more conversations lately uh, kind of off the air, just kind of checking in with one another to find out what's going on in the uh, in the football landscape right now. Can you kind of give us that 30,000-foot view here of where things stand? 
Yeah, it's getting to be, I think in the last two weeks, I think a lot of people inside the sport had become a lot more pessimistic, quite honestly. Uh, talking to A's, I think what they found is a lot of programs had had players that they were fine in the facility, but then you'd have a bunch of guys go play Madden, get together, there'd be an outbreak. You had guys go to a pool party, there'd be an outbreak. You had guys go hit the bars, same story. And so from talking to a lot of coaches, because you'll – even as we're taping this, um, Oklahoma just announced they had tested a whole bunch of players and there were no positives, and that's a really good sign. And Notre Dame was similar, and there's a handful. Michigan State's numbers were good. Uh, but not everybody's not releasing their numbers, in full disclosure. And also, I think it's those schools that have had it where the players haven't quite honestly taken it that seriously. And so an AD and the SEC had told me about a week ago, he said the problem is, a lot of people have not taken this seriously enough, especially 18 to 22-year-olds. And that's been where an issue is. And the question is going to be that the numbers are high in a lot of places, and they haven't even done any football stuff. This is working out in small groups. It's not like they're doing nine-on-seven drill. What's going to happen then? What's going to happen when they're around more people on the campus if the cases are higher? That doesn't bode well. So everybody's in kind of a wait-and-see mode. We'll see what happens by the end of this month. They'll have, hope to have a better picture on where they think they can hope to be for the fall. You know, Bruce, and, and, and thinking about it, because I know you've also talked to coaches, how are coaches even attempting to craft practice plans and schedules and calendars when we haven't even really begun to progress out of the small pods when it comes to just working out in the weight room? Right. And some of them have talked about we may have to stagger, stagger how we do it in small groups. Maybe we don't have our, you know, think about it this way. What happens if you're if you get an outbreak in your quarterback room? You're yeah. talking about two weeks of quarantine. That's three games. How is that going to work? Right. So I think there's a lot of contingencies and scenarios they're trying to sort out. There's a bunch of coaches, by the way, and this doesn't probably get talked about enough, who are in more of a risk category. We're not just talking about Nick Saban's almost 70, Frank Solich is 75. You're talking about the Arizona offensive coordinator is in his mid-60s and has some pre-existing conditions. There's a handful of coaches on. Uh, I feel like the chances of there's there's probably more, uh, usually at least one guy on a staff, whether he's 60-plus or he's not in good shape or he has some pre-existing conditions. So you talk to head coaches like, is that guy going to have to coach from the tower? How does that work? You have an offensive line coach. Those guys don't social distance anything. So now all of a sudden you have an offensive line coach with pre-existing conditions and how's, you know, like that's a, that's a real concern for a lot of coaches around the country. Um, and it's, you know, this is the kind of thing where I think it depends on who you talk to, but one thing you have to keep in mind, I think a lot of people um, look and say, Hey, the AD at Notre Dame is, is sounding one way, and then Brian Kelly will talk to the athletic, and he sounds a little more optimistic. When you talk to coaches, I think one thing they realize is if there's going to be a season, they have to have their guys ready and mentally ready. So they're going to try to be as optimistic on the record, at least as they can be, um, even if maybe behind the scenes it may not be quite as optimistic in the message they're, 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 they're sharing. Is there a chance, you know, we, we've seen a lot of these schools announce that they're going to be online. Um, but is there is there a scenario where you have the athletes being the only people on campus? I think that's not that's not unrealistic um, because what you're talking about is the bottom line money of it mm -hmm. is very, very significant, monumental, as some people have described it to me in, in athletics. 
And so if that was the only way it could work, I mean, I, I, we did a, the athletic did a player survey about a month ago. And one of the things I heard from, from a bunch of players that I talked to was they were more concerned about being around regular students than they were about their teammates or in the facility because the regular students, they felt like they could be less, uh, responsible in how they acted and the people they were around. And that was harder managed situation. And so, you know, I, I, I think that would be a tough optic for for college athletics to say, hey, we don't feel like it's safe to have regular students, but we're going to have the students who, you know, we don't consider employees, but they're the ones who are depending on financially. That's yeah. a tough message for them to 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 kind of to kind of put out there, whether they realize they're putting it out there or not. Um, so I, that's going to be. Could you make could you make the argument though, Bruce? Could you make the argument that we're basically putting these guys in a bubble where if there's no other students on camp, we can't afford to test everybody in the student body, you know, every yeah. other day or you know every week. We can't afford to test these athletes. So you could almost make a case this might be the safest place for them if they're in that confined environment where we know we're getting tested, you know, periodically. Um, I think you could kind of make an argument that might be a, that might be on the side of safety. And that you care about the student athlete keeping the other people off campus. I, I know it's a tricky one to kind of navigate. It is. I mean, and look, the story I interviewed you guys for about the viability of plan in the spring, a coach I talked to in the ACC made a really strong case about one thing that is not getting discussed enough is the mental health aspect of this. And he said, look, these guys are not NFL players. A lot of them, not all, but he said a lot of them really need structure. And mm-hmm. if they do not have football, if they do not have and look, you guys both played it and and at a high level. I think there's an element of a means to an end of it, meaning like the lessons you learn, the things you pick up from football, yeah, they're kind of byproducts of what it is to be in a team and be in that environment. Without a lot of that, if there's not a, if there's not games to be prepared for, that is I don't want to say that's that's catastrophic potentially for some of the student athletes, but that is a big concern, kind of under the same umbrella of what you just said. And I, I don't think sometimes that works on Twitter because in whatever, how many characters, 120 characters, yeah. how many we have now, people just try to pick apart that. And it's not that simple for the reason you just said and for the reason the coach told me um, this week. So I, I think that's something that people should be mindful of. Yeah, Bruce, I, I think you bring up a great point about the lack of structure in young people in 18 to 22 and how these guys have played football since they were seven or eight and not having a season uh, would be detrimental just in terms of trying to keep them engaged, not only uh, their athletics, but academics. Um, what about the parents, though? Because we've seen Chris Hinton and his wife kind of talk about the parents and what do the parents of the players that are kind of, I won't say potentially exposing their kids to the risk of playing in this pandemic, what has been the feedback or feel from, from those guys? You know, they've been the most vocal so far. And I think you're starting to hear a little more from, from people, from parents. I think it's obviously anecdotal. I talked to an, to a parent of a good quarterback. I don't know if he's a first round pick kind of quarterback, but it was, and I think they all have their different perspectives on it of, of what it is. I don't think any, everybody's uniform on this. Um, you know, one thing that I heard from an AD, probably a power five AD, probably about 10 days ago was his, one of his big worries is we don't know anything about the long-term effects of this thing. And he said, so even if people are quote asymptomatic, do we know what's going to be five years from now? And and in my head, I'm thinking, well, 
you know, you don't know the long-term effects of playing football either necessarily. I mean, you're taking risks on that. I mean, it's a slippery slope to go down. But I, I think one of the things that, that a lot of coaches and ADs I've talked to that have been, uh, I think they've, they've been very conscientious about is for people to, to know, hey, if you don't feel comfortable coming back and playing, you will still have your scholarship. And I think those are messages that are, are still being worked out right now because, again, we're in such uncharted waters with this. One of the things that's going to be interesting, say, you know, we do have a cancellation of the season. We've already seen it with the Patriot League and the Ivy League. And some of these kids, you go through the evaluation process. It'll be a long time since we've seen them in game action by the time we get to the actual draft. But I'm just curious, in your talks with coaches around the country, in the time that they've had off, you know, some of these guys didn't go through spring ball. They've been away from these players for a long period of time. As they've come back onto campus, have you heard any stories about transformations, either good or bad, uh, for some of these kids in the time they were away since they've been back on campus? They've been relatively positive. There was there was one coach I know, and he has two. They're both defensive linemen. And I think in the back of his head, he's got one that's really talented. I mean, they're both talented, but one is a little older. And the, the feeling was, God, I hope this kid doesn't resurface at 415 pounds or something <laughs> like that. Where And so it's almost like, oh, wait, he only, he only gained 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a win because I think there's a concern of just, um, you know, again, this is kind of a lot of what Bucky referred to before. It's just kind of when you're left to your own devices – and some things, it's not out of anything out of malice or anything out of, out of, I don't even know if it's out of your responsibility. Maybe it is, but it's just, you know, look, it's a really, really stressful time for a lot of people, not just grownups, not, just, you know, whatever. So I, you don't know what kind of messages or how people are coping. Sometimes these guys cope, cope uh, by eating a lot, right? And so when they're in... Um, I don't know. I mean, you guys probably have your own stories that you've witnessed of things. Some of the stuff I've heard about coaches when they try to make make sure their big guys don't go off the deep end eating, it's almost like, well, we're going to have somebody keep an eye on them on the plane and not have – I was like, the plane? That's an hour flight. What is this person going to do? <laughs> you, can crush. you can crush on the plane. Yeah, apparently it's like somebody can gain 10 pounds on, a, on the snacks on a plane if it's like the, that guy. And so that's what I think some of the coaches are kind of – leery of is left to your own devices who are these guys and what what's going to happen in terms of dietary reasons you know bruce um we've talked about in the the piece we we were talking about guys that potentially could forego their final season if this season is postponed or moved to the spring uh how significant is that concern amongst coaches that some of their five-star players their blue chip players may not be available if the season moves to the spring. Yeah, I think it was a little less than I expected. So I ended up, the story that ran on The Athletic when it went up yesterday as we were taping this, um, I talked to 20 staffs and I had 10, half the staffs had said they thought the, there would be two or less they they assessed would be would, he, would probably opt out. And then after the story ran up, I heard from another one so who was also in that group. So it was 11 to 21. That surprised me a little bit because some of those schools were top 15 schools and they just said, we don't think our kids, and this is not Justin Fields, this is not Trevor Lawrence, guys who are seen as lock number ones. There's not a lot of guys, as you know, who without film are lock top 50 guys, right? Now, one of the schools I talked to, which was also a top 15 school that I think they said they thought they had eight uh, guys who would, and that's a big number. And he, he said, I think we have three guys who are legit top 50 guys. 
And we probably have a couple others that are fringe guys who could be in the top 100. He said, we got one guy, he's at best a mid-round pick. We got another guy, I think he's a late-round guy. He's probably an undrafted free agent. I think their personalities are such where they'd leave. They would see it and they would just leave. And there's, you know, the worry on social media. Oh, that guy's going in. I'm as good a player as him. I'm declaring. And and there's, there's that kind of piece when you talk to coaches. But by and large, I had one coach go through his conference. This is a power five league. And he said, I probably could count up. And he did this while we were on the phone. Probably like 11 guys who should even consider it not necessarily definitely do it. And then the rest, he goes, they're making bad business decisions. And one of the points I brought up in the story is you look at the LSU team. There were five guys who went in the first round. One of them would have been a first round pick. And two of those guys, I would argue, Patrick Queen and Clyde, probably wouldn't have gotten drafted at all based on what they had done beforehand. Obviously, they had breakout seasons. Patrick Queen wasn't even a starter coming you know, into the season. So maybe the one guy who would have been a first round pick wasn't, and that was Grant Delpit. But for the most part, and I'm not saying maybe LSU is a little of an extreme example, but just because you were a five-star guy in high school, most of those guys, hopefully they're getting a reality that, you know what, what have we proven? I mean, DJ and I talked about somebody offline who has some hype around him. They played a lot, but you know, in, the people in your shoes would probably say, ah, he's not a first or second round pick. If that guy has somebody in their ear telling them that, they're probably getting bad business advice. And um, that's the part where I think it's it's a hard read because right now a lot of times kids are going to – not all, but some kids are going to just listen to what they want to hear because of their own you know vanity and ego's sake. Yeah, the thing about numbers I would just add to that, Bruce, is that if <laughs> – I just go back in you know, my talks with coaches. They always undershoot the number of kids that they think are going to come out because, A, there's some there's selfishness there. They want these kids to come back to help their program. I mean, Nick Saban's kind of notorious for this. Oh, no, you know, you, all these guys need to come back to school. They're not ready. I'm like, dude, these guys are all going to be first-round picks. Um, and so, like, that number is always on the low side when they estimate it. And then the other thing was with the players, there's – if you have the top 50 players, there are 150 players in the country who believe they are top 50 players and are having agents in their ear reinforcing – that they're top 50 players. If you put all of college football, all the players in a room and said, how many of you guys are top 50 picks? There'd be a heck of a lot more than 50 hands that would, that would go up. That to me is the challenge with that. Right. And I I think some of that is going to be uh, one coach in the power five league had said, I got one player I think would go. And he's a defensive lineman. He said, I think that, you know, I would not try to talk him out of it. I think I, I would listen to him. And he said, the challenge is going to be a lot of coaches. He said, the trust factor is really not going to be that high right now because we haven't been around them in a long time. Yeah, It's not a normal off season. So I think that adds to it. And I think also there's another element of this where, uh, and I don't know how, if I, I don't know what agents are going to sell certain guys on. Cause I think the point you just made is totally spot on, but I, the part about, Hey, you know what? You're taking a health risk by being out there. It's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, you should at least get paid for it. And that I think, especially given all, a lot of other stuff that's gone on in the in the climate we're in right now, I can see a lot of skepticism going, you know what? I love my teammates. We don't even know in the spring. And this is something also, I don't know how this plays out if it's a shortened season, but we don't even know if there's going to be championships, how's that going to work out? What exactly are we playing for? And so 
and this I hadn't thought of, but one of the coaches I spoke to for the story had said, what I think is going to happen is you're going to have a handful of guys who are going to go, I showed enough. I had a really good game in week four. I'm shutting it down. Sorry, guys. And that probably works better with the timeline than, you know, in terms of what the draft process is going to be. Yeah, you know what? I'll play for a a month if it's Mm going to come to that. And then I'll show you what I can do. And then you've seen enough. And now watch now watch me on at Pro Day. (laughs) <laughs> and there's no cupcakes. There's no cupcakes where we normally we'd have to wait till we get to, you know, mid late October before we see these guys play anybody. Now, if you're just doing the conference games or you're in the SEC conference games, I see you play three SEC games and you light it up. They're going to be sitting there going, I got enough. I'm out, man. Yeah. And I think that's the nature of what we're talking about right now, because, you know, I didn't realize this until I worked on the story, but like I talked to big 12 coaches and they were saying Lincoln Riley back in April really outlined this possible spring situation and why he thought it was viable and went through all these reasons. Um, and I think because of that, I think people are, you know, one of the arguments in there was, Hey, look, if we play in the spring, the evaluators will actually be able to probably see you in person and come do the things that, you know, as opposed to, they don't really turn the page until after their season's done. Now that's assuming obviously the NFL has its season in the fall and the college wouldn't. But so I think there's a lot of, interesting layers to that piece that you know it's like i said it's all tbd we don't know how long a season would be we don't know if it's going to happen in the fall we're hopeful but you know who knows at this point but if i was a college athlete who do you trust right now and it's tough it's tough hey, hey bruce in, in thinking about the trust factor so the the raise the last five years has been uh early enrollees high school athletes particularly five-star athletes they get on campus in January so they can go through a spring practice. How would a spring league or a spring season impact some of those guys? Because there are a number of guys, if particularly out west in California where we are, that there may not be a fall season. And so some of these guys are geared up to go. Could we see some of those early enrollees participate in a season that takes place in the spring? Yeah, I would think that's exactly what would happen. Look, your alma mater got a five-star cornerback. He is – he is uh, kind of, I don't know if I would call it the J- John David Booty kind of thing, but he's basically bypassing his senior year of high school. I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and obviously that. that will help. And I think you'll see a bunch of those. I, I remember um, a couple of years ago, LSU played, I want to say it was UCF when they were on that long win streak and they played him in the Fiesta Bowl. And they were really down a bunch of DBs. I don't think Greedy was going to play in the bowl game. And, and Derek Stingley Jr. was already there. And they were like, he's the best DB we got. And now they couldn't play him yet because he was in that weird window. It was like Jalen Hurts was in that too, like when he first showed up where he was like, hey, we got a guy on the scout team who's way more dynamic than any quarterback we've had. And they, you know, they can help them prepare. Now the idea that they could help them play. And I also think if it came to that, where you're talking about limited rosters, I think that would be one of the things that would help them as a workaround is you'd have additional bodies for that. Now, I don't know how it's going to line up with scholarships because, you know, the, the, the initial 25, I think the NCAA is going to have to give them some roster flexibility in this situation. I just think, you know, again, I know the NCAA hates to create precedent, but this is so different. The, the time we're in right now that I think they have to give people as much a chance as possible, like you said. And, and I don't know what that means necessarily for JC guys, because junior college football is also punted for the fall. So mm-hmm. that's another batch of people. Um, it depends who you talk to, which junior college coaches, how many guys can get out academically by that time to be there mid-year. 
Uh, one one thing to piggyback on on that conversation, you, you talk about guys coming from high school and potentially being able to play in the spring league. What if a, a kid, and we were talking about this the other day, me and Bucky, if a kid is in Utah, right, say that high school football goes in Utah, I'm just making up a state, but that kid goes to the state championship in Utah. He plays 14, 15 games of high school football in the fall, and then he's going to turn around a month and a half later and go through a full college season. Like, I would say that would, how, how would they be able to get that through? Yeah, that's the the flip side of the argument a lot of people made about why they didn't think spring college football was viable this this year because they were like, well, you're going to try to shoehorn two seasons into 2021. What you're talking about is the the front end of it. It's like the prequel yeah. of that, I guess. Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, they got to be you know really smart because you're going in not knowing it, right? Because if you're a college coach, and I, I don't, let's use Lincoln Riley and say we know, you know, what I don't know what Caleb Williams is going to, you know, do on this front, but let's say you have a great quarterback who's coming in, and you're not coaching him, like you're not coaching him on the first, you know, for the first half of the of his playing season in the fall. So you really don't know how much they practice. It's probably quarterback is a bad example. Probably let's say it's a middle linebacker or somebody who takes a lot more contact. You don't know how they practice. I mean, I think you probably have a semblance of idea how they practice, but then you're going to bring them into your own environment, especially with a kid who's probably unproven, you know, at, at the college level. So He's 17 years old, 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, it's different. I think DJ, I may have a bounce this off you because I bounced it off a few football people I know uh, yesterday morning about, well, what happened to the AAF guys? I think they played eight games. And there was a bunch of those guys who ended up sticking in the NFL. So they basically played a year a year of straight of football. And now the reality is probably some of those guys are 22, 23, 24, maybe even older than that. Whereas your example, the guy might be 17. His body is not physically developed the same. I guess you just have to be very, very careful. And it's you got to trust your training staff and your coaches to see if that is in their best interest. You know, uh, Bruce, I had a chance to talk to a couple of strength coaches and they're talking about uh, how they normally go about it, where you have um, your normal travel squad. They may work out three times a week and then you have your developmental squad. And so now you're talking about up in the ante where you may not go into spring and you have guys on campus. How are they going to manage the numbers and everything that you have going and then bring in an influx of early enrollees and maybe JUCO transfers and try and get guys ready to play. I just think it's a unique challenge that I don't know if anyone has fully vetted out and thought about. I'm not sure they've gotten that far down the road. I, I will say this. The one thing that does to me bode well, at least on that front, is between all the GPS stuff and all the tracking data that colleges yeah. have now, it's so much different now than it was 10 years ago and certainly 25 years ago. Um, and it, you know, I think they made so many technological advances advancements, and I think the sports science people are really, really good on that front. So I think at least they have a they have a clue on it, as opposed to, well, you know, our right guard looks like he's not moving great. Let's let's pull him back a little bit. I think now they can measure that. They have such a read on their athletes' bodies in a way that we didn't 10 years ago. I'm not saying I would just kind of wave it off and go, okay, we're good on that front. Don't worry about it. But I at least think that they have the science in that part. They pay, they pay a lot of attention to, or at least most coaches I know seem to. So I think that part is, at least I think they have a handle on it. I think, I don't know if it's how doable it all is in every case, but I think at least they, they have, they have the, they have the means to get a, get a read on a true read on it. 
All right, Bruce, last, last question for me. I, I'm curious on the revenue side of things. If, if we assume we do have, you know, the power fives at least go off and fall and we get a season with no fans, you know, we're, we talk about it, we're faced with in the NFL of a huge revenue shortfall of not having fans in the stands. The NFL, you hear different ideas floated of how to generate revenue. Obviously, there's a new TV uh, contract that's, that's on the horizon. At the collegiate level, what are some ideas or what's being discussed about ways to, you know, eventually be able to, to infl- get an influx of revenue to kind of recover? Well, there's TV deals that are coming down the pipeline. The part I would be concerned about is the TV networks are going to take a big hit right now, right? I mean, we're not, there's nothing on our networks of, you know, like there's not events and things that draw ratings. So I don't know what those TV deals are going to look like. I think right now you're looking at huge haircuts that, that a lot of businesses are taking. So what does that mean as the upshot? Like I had an AD who is now an AD, but he was at a, he was a, a more on the business side at a power of five school. And I asked him for like a breakdown of what it means attendance wise and the kind of the gate numbers and everything. And it was eye opening to me. And he was like, I'm doing this all on a napkin, by the way, and just kind of went through. And I don't think that's something that you know, I, I can think to the ADs who said, yes, this will have a monumental impact on us financially if we can't play. But I don't think we, nobody has a great true gauge on just what this is going to mean, whether it's no attendance or 20% of the people in the crowds. Because remember, now all of a sudden you're factoring in how much it's costing for them to test players on a weekly basis. And that's a lot. You were talking about so many other uh, protocols, moving workouts, different things that that normally aren't in place. I don't know how you juggle the insurance part of this and some of the other liability things. And so, you know, schools are 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 cutting sports, and I think that's just going to keep happening because right now it's going to go under the umbrella of these are really hard decisions and they're not good optics, but we got to do it for our bottom line. And I just think right now. I don't want to say they don't have any clue of where they're going, but I think it's just hard for them to, you know, you have spreadsheets of if we have 5%, if we have no fans, if we, you know, like it's all over the map for them. And for instance, like for the Mac schools that just lost the big 10 games last week, if you're Bowling Green, you lost a couple million dollars. Mm-hmm. Is that money you don't recoup if the big 10 doesn't actually play this fall? Like how does, how do those things work? I don't know how, um, you know, like, I, I don't know how they get a cost benefit analysis of saying, okay, this is worth it for us to do this. Cause we're going to have to make that case to a lot of people about the attendance. Do you think it could ever real quick, Buck, uh, do you think it could ever uh, get to the point where it's been so taboo and so frowned upon, but gambling, if there's any, any, anything in terms of the gambling side uh, with college athletics, it seems like two things that would have nothing to do with one another and they don't want anything to do with one another. But that's a huge influx of cash um, if they ever did embrace that. I, I think they would run from it. And also, just mm-hmm. think about how risky point li- you know lines are going to oh, be yeah. right now. Get to the kids. Where, yeah. yeah, you get to the kids. I mean, oh, you know, like if, if you know, we said a quarterback room goes down or anything <laughs> like that, yeah. you know, all of a sudden that line is going to be off the board. Well, we know why. You're not telling us who, you know, whatever, yeah. but we know the the reason. I think the gambling component of it now, and I think that's with all sports, um, you know, you can imagine the theories of like, oh, so-and-so ate at this restaurant. Well, we know the hostess has like, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I can only imagine the rabbit hole if people are going to go down now. You know, Bruce, I, I had to let you go on this one. 
Um, because of the climate that we're in and because we're kind of seeing a, I guess, a, a reset, a global reset with everything, um, how upset has the NCAA model when it comes to student athletes? How has that been infected and impacted? And if we don't have a season and looking at the amount of money and revenue that's lost, the amount of sports that have been affected by the loss of basketball and football, what is that going to do to the amateurism model that the NCAA has always kind of trumpeted and pushed out there? It's going gonna, it's gonna to dwindle so much. But remember, one thing that we haven't talked about is the name, image, and likeness thing that yeah. is already in the pipeline. And they don't have a great handle on that. And so, you know, I, I don't know, like, I don't know exactly what college athletics is going to look like in 2022, but I think it's going to be radically different. And I'm not saying it's going to be for the worse or for the better necessarily. I think it's just going to be really, really different. And for the college athletes who started as freshmen this past year, from the time they leave, I think you're never going to have seen as much, because obviously we're going through a pandemic, but certainly because of the name, image, and likeness, because of the economic the issues that are going to that, but also because I think, you look, you guys are connected in the NFL. There's centralized leadership. The leadership yeah. model for the NCA has never been as fragmented and seemingly as rudderless as it is right now. And so that is a problem, and I think it's a problem that a lot of people, I think there's growing frustration you know, I had this uh, this quote from one of the coaches I talked to this week. It was like, the NCAA is a joke. There is no leadership right now. You know, you go back to some of these things where they'll throw out recommendations and people are just like, they had a statement. The NCAA had a statement about a week ago. And it was like, it seemed like it was a parody. Like, it was like, really? You're going to put this out? Like, this is meant nothing. And I think that kind of element is hard for people to take it very seriously now given how dire and serious all these issues they're sorting out are. And I think that's, that's, you know, only going to make it that much harder for them to have credibility with the people they work with and are supposed to be working for. All right. I said last question. This is the last one. Cause I want to go uh, a little bit deeper on that. Is there a chance, and I don't know the European soccer model extremely well. I know it a little bit, but it almost sounds like the NCAA could kind of be heading towards that where the, the conferences are kind of autonomous. They kind of run, they might run things differently by the conference. And then there's the champions league or whatever, where you could get kind of games between the different conferences, but it almost seems like it's going to be decentralized in terms of the, the leadership at the college level. Yeah. Well, look, the NCAA has a college basketball tournament. It doesn't have any power over college football for better or mm. worse. And for elements of this, we're seeing it's for worse, but also it's like, what is the, what is, uh, what are the colleges getting out of this? I mean, this is low, you know, you guys both live out on the West coast too. I think for a lot of USC friends for a long time, when USC was going really good in the Pete Carroll days, we're like, what do we need, you know, this, this yeah. structure for, we could be just as fine on our own. And I think people look at whether they look at Notre Dame's model. And again, it's hard to, to detach yourself from it because yes, football makes all the money, but you still, most of your athletic department is tied to other sports and they, they've, mm-hmm relied on the NCAA for that. I mean, and it's not to say the NCAA does do some really good things. And obviously the value of college athletics for most of the people who are not going to be, you know, that, that commercial, they would always run the NCAA tournament. Most players are not going to end up as professional athletes, but I think they need to find a more efficient model. And I don't know people a lot smarter than me need to figure out how that is viable? How do they make that work? Because right now, what you're seeing from 
from certainly from the Big Ten, where I feel like they've tried to take some put their put themselves out there, and to some degree following that from the Pac-12 is we need to be flexible. We need to have flexibility right now because of things aren't uniform and things are all over the place. And without that flexibility, we can't operate in the best way we can. So at this point, and that's what the Big Ten has done. That's what the Pac-12 is doing. And I'm curious as if more leagues end up going to that model for that flexibility. And we don't know that they will. The ACC, there's been a lot of talk of that. But they said they're going to wait in a couple weeks to decide what they do next. I think that could be a a telling point where it's like, hey, we need to, at at the very least, rethink the model of how efficient it is. Because is it serving us that well? Yeah, it's probably serving the smaller schools a lot better than it is for the people who are making most of the money. And as they're realizing, the ones who are making the money – drive everything around it and they're the ones who make it who basically can help it survive or not man it's funny dj i i I gotta get this in because you brought this up the other day (laughs) but now that bruce just said it because you talked about college football is is kind of like the have the haves and the have not so we have the power five conferences who kind of do their thing and then we have the group of five dj and i talked about the spring football model where you have the group of five and then the Ivy League, the Patriot League, the, the one double A's and, and all of those like this could be beneficial to them because they may have an opportunity to get more eyeballs on them than ever. Could we ever see an opportunity where we have the power five kind of operate like the Champions League? The, everybody else operates under that lower division model where maybe they have playoffs and all of those things, because I think that's a viable option for the group of five and the other people to generate revenue and to kind of carve out a spot in this college football landscape that really allows them to get the interest that they need. Well, I got a, 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 a OC at a really good FCS program and the guy should, he's, he's worked before in, uh, in the power five. And he made the case to me, he was like, I think we should do just what you guys are talking about. I think we should be the ones who own the spring. The yes. football has tried to find a, a, a spring league, and it's never worked for one reason or another. We can be that. We can get the exposure. His one problem, and you guys are uniquely positioned to address this, is <laughs> what are we going to do? And this about the money games? No. What are we going to do about the the NFL draft process where there are going to yeah. be players? Look, our our guy Trey Lance. We all love him. You mm-hmm. know, is Trey Lance going to sit out the draft process when he eventually is in the pipeline because it doesn't line up exactly right? And how this coach made the point, he's like, it would be tough for us to recruit some of those players, especially in this coach is not at North Dakota State. But, you know, it's if you're there are a bunch of guys who end up picking, you know, like, let's say it's North Dakota State picking a really powerful FBS than they do somebody or powerful FCS than they do an FBS. And so what do you do for those kids who can't, you know, can't get past the idea of, hey, the NFL is not going to evaluate me uh fairly and maybe the fairly is the wrong word they're not you know I, my evaluation is going to be dramatically different than if i play in the fall when most of the prospects play how long would it take them to get the season done bruce is it, if you started the first game for the group of five in you know january literally the day after you know the the national championship game or that saturday after that how long when, when would the completion be if you timed that out I mean, let's think how long their season is now. I mean, with the yeah. playoff that the F's, I'm talking about the FCS, how they yeah. have. I mean, you're dragging into April then. Yeah. Now, now, can you get it done if you started January 1? And granted, some of these places, again, we talked, I mentioned North Dakota State, you know, granted, don't, but they, there are some weather concerns. But 
if you get from Feb- January, February, March, we've already passed the combine and mm-hmm. we're into t- 12 weeks with no buys. So yeah. I, I don't know if they would say, hey, we're just going to play eight, nine, 10 games and at least get, get it out by the end of March because everybody wants to have a championship. So mm-hmm. that's the challenge, I think, is you finish off by the end of March because mm-hmm. we know when the draft runs and we, we know we've already passed the combine. And, you know, after the end of a season, and I don't know how worn down some of these guys, if you have a nose guard who's played four, 13 games, is he going to be ready to test? I mean, what's his medical yeah. situation going to look like as he gets ready? Yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a couple of different things. It reminds me of the stuff that we've seen recently with the AAF and the XFL, but really reminds me of NFL Europe. And there was a way that the NFL Europe guys were able to be assimilated into the National Football League. And Bruce, I think DJ and I both know the NFL would love nothing better than to have a major event each and every month of the season. And so when you're talking about the draft and the combine, I think those things are easy shifts if they feel like the college landscape is changing moving the combine out of february into late march or early april moving the draft into may i don't think that significantly impacts the nfl calendar but what it would do it would almost give them an opportunity to have truer evaluations on those guys from group of five because their season would be closer to draft day which would enable scouts to really not get bogged down and a bunch of the conversations and innuendo that sometimes clouds the evaluation process in the offseason. Okay, let me ask you a question since you guys work for NFL Network. So you guys had college games last season, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. think about this, and this is a novice person's you know view of it, but the NFL has done a masterful job of extending its brand and its season, whether it's free agency or all the things that you know mm-hmm. we see year-round, and it's great. I mean, I, you know, I, I pay attention to it, but – if you were to say, hey, you know what, um, we're going to sign on. I keep coming back to, to, to North Dakota State because it's the best, best program yeah. at that point. But if you're even going to say group of five schools, you could have a game, you know, two games of the week. If the NFL was going to buy in on it and said, you know what, um, and I don't know how this squares with, with policy and everything, but like you get to watch Trey Lance. You, our two draft analysts have talked about him. You don't think a lot of people would tune in to watch Trey Lance? I guarantee they you, would. You know, it, I would, mean, it would blow away the AAF and the XFL ratings. If, if like I was telling Bucky, you mean the spring and I got a chance to watch Houston and Louisiana Tech, I'd be stoked. Like, give me that. I'll take that all day long over two teams in the XFL or AAF I know nothing about and don't right. really care about. You could sell people on Marquez Stevenson in that case. Or exactly. Whatever. And then, again, I think it extends the football season. I feel like that might be the way. Again, I'm, it's not my place to say, mm-hmm. hey, the NFL should push back the draft because <laughs> five and FCS would say, hey, we'd be open to do a deal with you guys for, for TV to mm-hmm. extend the season. And then maybe you bump. And, again, I don't know all the things that would, would get out of line for them for you know bumping back the draft calendar and, and how they'd have to rejigger it. But I do think it would extend – extend interest in a way that's not really there when everybody else is talking about pitchers and catchers or the Padres yeah. or whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, hey, I, hey, that hey, was a shot. That was a yeah, shot. No. And, 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 and a deserved shot because we, we've heard <laughs> DJ take shots. In the Our year, man. 60 but, games. but look, it would be no different than baseball because baseball's draft kind of goes on while baseball season yeah. is being conducted. We see high school players and college players drafting in the middle of the college world series and the like. So I don't think it would change that much. I just think it makes too much sense because Bruce, 
I'm a football junkie. DJ's a football junkie. You obviously are as well. Just think about the amount of interest that you see at the A-Day games. Spring football draws numbers because we're thirsty for football. I just think it makes so much sense. Instead of trying to fight the Power Five, man, go carve your own lane. And you can kind of be the king of the spring because it is going to overwhelm every other sport that is on display. We've seen it happen time and time again. Yeah. And I, again, I come back to the element of discovery. If you could portray, like, I mean, just anecdotally, like the Trey Lance story I did, it blew up, yeah. you know, production wise. I saw, you know, even Cade Johnson, not to the same extent, but a uh, slot receiver from South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. There's an element of, of who is the new guy or whatever. And so, you know, I, it's not a coincidence that a lot of draft sites do their too early top, uh, you know, first round right after the last draft. People can't, uh, people freak up. out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you, and I'm not saying that's the only reason why people should want to watch a Marshall Middle Tennessee State game or something, but I think under the guise of that, I think they could sell it as a workaround. And again, I think people would tune in because people are desperate for football. And, you know, at that point, you think about like all the coaches that would be watching and say, oh, these guys do, you know, it's like they actually have a chance to study it. Most coaches, I don't think, have ever seen some of these teams play in mm-hmm. real time because they're always playing, you know, on mm-hmm. their own time. So I think even that element would be kind of fascinating to see it happen and getting its own own stage. And we could go down a million rabbit holes because you just said that. And I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, my gosh, can you imagine the power five coaches watching the group of five play in the spring? I'm going to recruit him. I'm going to take him. He's a graduate transfer. He can come in. Uh, I mean, there, it, it, it would be fun, though. It would just create a, a conversation throughout the entire year. All right, Bruce, we, we've got to let you go. And I, I was planning on keeping you for like 10, 15 minutes. We went over 40 minutes because we just uh, – it's, it's, it's so fun to talk with you, man. But I guess uh, the cereal bowl I have is pretty soggy right now that I've had. That I have yeah. <laughs> what do we got? What is that, Captain Crunch? What are you working with? No, that is uh, multigrain Cheerios. It's really okay. soggy. Okay. All right. Well, get, so you, go, get your sog- go get your soggy Cheerios, Bruce. Thanks for your time, buddy. You're the best. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Well, Buck, I mean, I, we could have gone on for another two hours. Uh, every every answer to every question brought up another, you know, thought of where what could happen and where things could go. But I, I think we're onto something here with this whole uh, group of five going in the spring. No, look, man, I, I think it's a fantastic idea. I think uh, we've seen TV tells us that football is king. So imagine in both areas. We know that the NFL dominates uh, whenever they kick off from the time they kick off in August all the way through the beginning of February. College football also is a dominant force, but to split up college football where you have power five conferences operating in the fall and then group of five and FCS dominating the spring, man, you talk about 12 months of football. I don't think people could get enough of it. And I'm just thinking about all the money that has been lost during this time. You talk about TV revenues, everybody being affected, the gate or whatever. Imagine the TV uh, opportunities that they will be able to recoup some of their losses by being able to draw big numbers, advertisers, sponsorships to be able to make up for some of the money that they lost. Yeah. And when, when you're talking about the the difference uh, with the power five, not having the NCAA, I know Bruce was saying like they don't govern the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, but there are rules, NCAA rules, obviously that govern all of those conferences in the same way. I don't think I think we're headed away from that. I do. I think you're going to see the SEC with the name, image and likeness might say, OK, we're unlimited. You can make as much as you want, um, blah, blah, blah. This set of rules for, for that conference and then the Big Ten or the Pac-12, 
Maybe they have caps on it. Maybe they have different rules in terms of we want to be able to take in more scholarship players or fewer scholarship players. They're not going to be beholden to all those same rules. They can op- operate independently in their league, and then they could kind of get together and say, okay, once we do this, we'll take the best player. You know, Whoever wins each of our leagues, they go play each other in a, in a playoff type of atmosphere. Oh, I mean, I, I just think it, it would be outstanding if you could create that the playoff thing, because I think that would be the thing that drives it over. I watch those playoff games in December. I love watching mm-hmm. those teams play. And I think there's a level of intrigue that everyone would get on because not only the, the FCS Division One schools where we talk about North Dakota State or whatever, but what about some of those other schools, the Mount Unions that we've seen, yeah. uh, Wisconsin, Whitewater, and, and those schools? It would really give us an opportunity to see ball played at a different level. And I'm one of those that believes all ball is good ball to have an nope. opportunity to really dive in and see those guys. And Bruce made the argument about how do you convince those guys that may have NFL aspirations or whatever. Like, I, I understand that. But I also understand you're actually building a bigger brand and platform for those guys. When you're a Division three or Division two player, everyone doesn't really get a chance to see and appreciate your game. In the spring, now all eyes would be on you. You would have an opportunity to really be a star, leverage your platform into your civilian life going on because everyone has an opportunity. It would give TVs, TV networks, an opportunity to build stars in those leagues that don't necessarily exist uh, in the fall. No doubt. Um, it's it's fun. It's fun conversation. Um, anything you're working on, Buck, that we want to get out there for everybody? No, I'm just rehashing the conversation that we had. Like, if we don't have preseason football, what does it mean for the teams? Um I took a take off of something that we've talked about on defense, the defensive quartets, meaning Mm -hmm. most teams are built, the championship teams, two pass rushers, one second level defender at linebacker, and someone in the secondary that are blue chip players who are the five best teams with defensive quartets. I love that. Uh, Be on the lookout for that NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks. Also the TV show is going to return next week. That's Thursday, July 23rd at 6 p.m. Eastern time on NFL Network, so you can be on the lookout for that. And Buck, I'm having fun, man. I, I told you that was my little project with my my YouTube page. So I got my YouTube page up. Um, just kind of farting around on there, throwing some different I ideas. Saw you, I, out saw, there. I saw I saw you put some. You actually put some graphics on oh, your yeah. thing, like like. Don't, don't sleep like, on my college staff. Don't sleep on like, my college staff. I got working on this thing right now. Oh, you got some interns. You got some people working. Uh, for yeah. You? Shout out to Micah. Micah doing good work for me, man. Oh, okay. I see. I see what you're doing. You, you see. Uh, you get you their. Followed. They get their internship. They get their internship. I get my graphics. Everybody wins. Okay, I see. You followed the footsteps of a former general manager, and you got a little dream team working behind behind the scenes. That's right. That's what we're. That's what we're working <laughs> on, man. But it's fun. Like I'm having fun. I'm just kind of taking different ideas, different things that we've talked about, and and kind of repackage them and then put them on there uh, so that it can live on there. It's real easy to find. It's just youtube.com slash move the sticks. But uh, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where it goes. I feel like when you kind of set up your own page, you kind of get to see behind the hood and you can kind of say, okay, this kind of works. This doesn't work. This is too long. This is too short. It's been a, it's been a fun learning process. Meanwhile, I've been working on a YouTube channel myself, but it's not for me. It's for my son. I've been putting his baseball, I've been putting his baseball stuff up there because we're in the middle of, heading into his senior year. This pandemic has kind of crushed all the baseball showcases. So dad has had to be a little more proactive trying to get his stuff out, even though he had an abbreviated season. So I too have been playing tips from movie, you. movie maker and yeah. uploading and all that other stuff. It's, it's quite, it's quite the challenge. I'm not quite ready to be a YouTube star, but it's, 
it's definitely an interesting outlet to use. I'll just say this. I signed up. I have a Twitch account. I'm just saying I have a Twitch account. Are you playing not... video games too? No, no, like, no. I've that, got that's other, that's I've what got you're other doing? ideas. I, I'm, I'm exploring different formats, Buck. I'm exploring different formats, but there's some cool things coming. I, I, I don't, I'm not putting that out there yet where it is because it'd be embarrassed if anybody saw it, but, uh, I'm learning. I'm trying. I'm 42. I'm a young 42. No, it's it's a big deal. It's funny that you talk about the Twitch thing. My son has been on Twitch for a few years and Mm. uh, it started when he was playing League of Legends, like a video game. And he would go and watch people play video games. And I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm watching this guy play video. What? But with the explosion, with the explosion of esports and the explosion of people utilizing what I would call like these these off brand platforms. I do believe that there is a lane that can be utilized to kind of elevate and amplify your voice. No doubt. Uh, anyway, this is fun, man. We're just kind of trying to learn in every facet of our life here as we go forward. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Thanks to David Singer for, for booking our buddy, Bruce. Thanks for Bruce for being so generous with his time. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. And we'll catch you next time right here on move the sticks. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is Errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, 
there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. 